Yeah, I saw him in the middle of it. Um, him, him and LeBron were kind of going back and forth that whole quarter. It seemed like. Oh man! Well, you know, it was kind of funny because, like, it was textbook uh, uh, a team. You know, I've seen LeBron do this before with teams in the Western Conference, uh, or excuse me, in the Eastern Conference. He used to do this to the Hawks, where like it'd be the fourth quarter and they'd be up fifteen, and he'd get a switch onto like Paul Millsap, and he'd straight up, you know, start dancing. His, yeah, like turn his back away from Paul, dribble back yeah. to half court, like wait, and it's like it's 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 clearly like an attempt to uh uh you know use body language to express that you don't necessarily uh uh have any sort of anxiety or fear in the moment um, right yeah and it's it's also not the first time that he's done that and it's led the game to kind of degenerating a little bit but at the end of the day i do think there's a psychological effect to that i think it leads to the team feeling confident and it, it like for some of those young guys on that phoenix bench to see yeah. you know lebron kind of clowning them a little bit i mean I tend to think that that kind of stuff can have a little bit of a, an impact in the way that the uh, the psychology of the series shifts. Yep, felt like they kind of took their belief away, right? And that's the whole point of these kind of playoff games. You could see like teams starting to lose a little bit of that, a little bit of that confidence, right? As the game went on, um, mm-hmm. you saw it last year a lot with like Portland and Houston. Happened more in Game Three, but I saw it a little bit tonight when that lead kind of went up to like ten, twelve to like fifteen. Cameron Payne hit a bunch of like just. T- like he's he's been hot from three, but other than that, I thought the de- well, I guess we'll get into it, um, all the all the details and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, good win. Yeah, um, everybody, welcome to the State of the Lakers post game spaces. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming to hang out with Raj and I. We're gonna go for about forty five minutes tonight, since we're <laughs> since we're gonna be in a rhythm of uh, of going just about every other night here. Hopefully for the next couple of months, uh, we'll go mm-hmm. uh, talk about the game for a little bit and then. Uh, get your requests in and we'll take some speakers to come on to either vent or share an opinion or, or ask any questions that you guys have. Um, I, I, you know, obviously the theme of the last couple of games is primarily centered around AD and AD was amazing again tonight. And we're going to talk about him. Um, but I want to start with LeBron tonight because I thought the way that he controlled the game in this, in the third quarter, right at the beginning, um, you yeah. know, going into the half, it's this complete, you know, shit show rock fight of a game. Neither team can score. And uh, uh, just in the in the third quarter there in that first little, uh, you know, seven minute shift that LeBron had. He had 10 points, three rebounds, three assists and just completely controlled the game on the on the offensive end of the floor. Uh, couple that with the Laker defense, which we're going to dive into in a few minutes. Um, I thought that was where the game swung. And, and just like that, a game that was hotly contested between two teams that seemed to be on relatively even playing field suddenly shifted to a series that feels like so many LeBron playoff series from the past where it's like, oh, this dude's just way better than us <laughs> and, there, and there's nothing we can do about it. And he had some dunks in that stretch. He looks great physically. Uh, uh, it was just kind of like the whole package kind of come together. And I, I thought that that was a good reason to to be excited. And it was good to see that he could still do that. Uh, what did you think about LeBron tonight? Yeah, this was like a rock fight, right? This was like two defenses kind of going back and forth. Lakers missed a bunch of open shots, but this was really intense. Um, this felt like a Western Conference final kind of game. Two like really top level teams, two and two teams that are playing real playoff intensity. And uh, yeah, they they won that third quarter by ten. 
that was like their biggest advantage. Every other mm-hmm. quarter was tied pretty much one, two points. LeBron came out aggressive. Like this was a rock fight in that first half. No one could score, and he was really aggressive, got the team going. I think he had a, like a quick six points, I think, to start the half. Um, and you could see it, it's crazy watching just him kind of work his way through a game, right? Like you could tell he started the game, started a little bit aggressive, but let other guys kind of do their thing, gave the ball to Schroeder, let him attack. And he was great. We'll, we'll discuss him later. But let him kind of attack off the dribble, attack in isolation, let him create. And then when it was time in that third quarter, he knew this was the time to kind of build the lead. Uh, Phoenix was taking a bunch of tough shots. They went cold. LeBron was pushing it in transition. Um, he was coming off screen roll. A lot of screen rolls with Drummond, um, getting AD easy looks down low. He really controlled this game again with his mind. And you could see his body just get better and better as these games go on, right? You could see him get healthier as these keep going. Like, it looked like his ankle looked the best it did tonight. He took a lot of contact at the rim, um, and he was kind of flexing after dunks and does the stuff that LeBron does when you know he's really feeling, feeling well athletically, which is awesome to see him just get to the basket. People talked a lot about him getting to the rim. He had a lot of shots at the rim tonight. He did take a few jumpers, but I thought he was aggressive, putting pressure on Aiden, putting pressure on all those guys, trying to, try to defend Kaminsky with that second unit. Um, he was great. It would look like a LeBron game. I, I'm never worried about LeBron. Like, that's the guy that I guess I don't worry about. 21 points, 9 assists, 6 rebounds, 38 minutes. Didn't have to do the playoff LeBron to beat this team, which I think says a lot. I think these are these are arguably the two best teams in the Western Conference. And mm-hmm. LeBron was able to still get a comfortable win, putting up, you know, his below average for his standards, which I thought was really impressive. Yeah, I'm interested to see the the film and the shot chart uh, to look a little closer because it just felt like after, you know, there was that stat that went viral the other day of, uh, I think it was yesterday, of LeBron's, you know, shot dispersion uh, during the, uh, or shot distribution, I should say, is a, is a better word, uh, uh, during his last several playoff runs. And he is coming off of a playoff run, you know, last fall, where over 60, I think it was something crazy, like over 60% of his, of his made field goals were in the paint. And, uh, and it was one of the better numbers of his career. And, uh, despite the fact that the Lakers, you know, have always had spacing issues and, uh, and then this year through the two games, he was in the teens. I think it was like 18% or something like that. Don't quote me on that. Um, uh, but the point is, is like, I thought tonight was the, the first time he looked a little bit more like his old self in the sense that his shot distribution involved a lot more at the paint, uh, or in the paint and at the rim. Um, I, I feel like, I feel like inevitably with his brain, uh, even with him, not necessarily being the same athlete he was, you know, before the ankle, he, he was going to inevitably find ways to get the Phoenix defense to lean one way or another and find some cracks and get into the paint. And what's even crazier about that is the role players still aren't really making shots. I mean, Man. West, West, Matthews made a couple there in, at yeah. the end and I know Kuz made one early. But for them to for them to be where they are right now, I think at one point you tweeted out they were like three for eighteen from three yeah. uh, to start the game. Like that to me has to just be. I tweeted out today that has to be terrifying for Phoenix fans is the fact that the Laker role players aren't going because they're gonna get going. They're, they're these are guys the guys the, the shots that the Laker role players are missing are shots they made last postseason. You know, KCP is going to make shots. Caruso made shots all season and can't hit the side of a barn right now. <laughs> and, and Kuzma's not making anything like these guys are going to make shots. And when that happens, that's when that's, that's what's going to end up potentially ending the series in five is if the Laker role players wake up. Yeah. The, the Lakers having the number one defense plus an engaged LeBron and AD really 
makes up for a huge margin of error, right? Like if they're hitting mm-hmm. their three, they shot twenty five percent from three tonight. I tweeted they took three, three, I think two threes in the third quarter. Like people just didn't want to shoot them. Um, and Phoenix shot eleven for twenty nine, thirty eight percent. Usually don't win games by fourteen when the other team you know hits four more threes than you shoots uh, twelve more percent at three for me. Like you just you really don't do that. So that gives them a big margin for error. I thought the defense was was really big time tonight. And AD just being aggressive. We can kind of move on to him. 16, uh, 14 free throws tonight after 16 in game two. I think like that's the biggest barometer for him to show his aggression, getting to the rim, putting putting his shoulder right into the chest of DeAndre Ayton, not letting him you know take rest on defense. Like I thought he was huge. Um, he's, his jumper still isn't there to where it needs to be. He had a few mid-range jumpers. I'm not sure. If he, I think he hit maybe one three tonight, but 11 boards. I think he had a whole bunch of offensive rebounds, a whole bunch of tips. Like This kind of aggression – it's crazy. If you go watch game one and you watch this game, you think these are two totally different players. Like it's just, just a totally difference in a, not just aggression, but just his want to, to play better. He's, he's a superstar and he needs to play like it every night. And with the Lakers not shooting well, I'm sure it will. I mean, we hope coming home would do that. It hasn't, but it's good process, right? These shots are open. Like you have to take those. And they eventually, some of them went in West Matthews, like you said, hit big. I thought run game changing shots took the lead from like 10 to 15. And I thought that really put a stamp on this game. Um, what'd you see from AD, uh, AD tonight? Well, I thought it was so funny how you said it. Like, like the, the, the only thing I could think of all night too, was like, man, this looks so different than the guy we saw in game one. Uh, right, right. Because, because, you know, I think we all just assumed like, Oh, AD would be a little bit more physically aggressive, but he's going to, you know, his jump shots eventually going to get going. That's the, that's just the way we assume AD is going to finally wake up. Well, his jump shot still isn't working at all. And, and he was just, he was the most physically aggressive player on the floor tonight. Like he just was an absolute bull in a China shop around the rim. And, and I, th- I think, I think I tweeted out, he had, he had six offensive rebounds. Every time the Lakers uh, uh, shot anything uh, um, at the rim, it felt like AD was in the mix. Uh, even if he didn't get the offensive rebound, which again, adds to the physical wear and tear that you put on the other team. Um, I saw something the other day, uh, I think uh, this morning that the Lakers have been rebounding about 40% of their own misses so far in this series, which yeah, is and just, I think, just a stupid number. Right. And Drummond's at like 37% or some crazy number too. Just him <laughs> yeah, by himself. Exactly. So AD, you know, I, I, I have so much appreciation for the fact that AD kind of, uh, you know, understood that he, his impact on the game doesn't strictly come with him making these jump shots. And, and you know, yeah. once again, we talk a lot about how the, the Laker defensive ceiling, which is not the same as their consistent defensive effort. Their defensive effort comes from Frank Vogel. It comes from all the guards working their butts off. And that's the night yeah. in and night out effort and focus stuff. But their defensive ceiling, the thing that allows them to hold the Phoenix Suns to 12 points in a quarter, the thing that allows mm-hmm. them to take second best team in the league this year and just manhandle them the way they did is LeBron and AD both peaking defensively within that unit. And and I think we saw that tonight. I thought they did a a much, much better job of just making that pick and roll, just a slog. Aiton was never rolling free to the rim. He was rolling into bodies. He was getting chucked there. Everyone was just physical at every single point of the defense. And I felt like it just stifled everything Phoenix was doing. I, I was just, I was it, part of it was Frank and in the scheming, but like, I just was so impressed with the Lakers just coming out and just physically 
uh, shutting down Phoenix. The final score is not going to do it justice to how good the defense was tonight. No, it won't. I just want to give the exact stats. So Anthony Davis tonight, six offensive rebounds. Like, that's my biggest barometer for him. Him and free throws, six offensive rebounds, 14 free throws. You can't ask for more than that. 11 for 22. And again, he missed a lot of jumpers that he made in the playoffs last year. I think those will eventually go down. But that's the key for him, like being aggressive. They shouldn't be able to stop him on the boards. Like, they're playing Aiton as the only big man. Like, he should be able to dominate, especially if Andre Drummond is there and they have to box him out, too. He had three offensive rebounds tonight, both AD and Drummond, plus 11, plus 12. Um, they were the they were the biggest part of it for me. And their defense, man, like, you hold Phoenix to basically under 100 for three straight games in the mm-hmm. playoffs. Like, that's – even I know Chris Paul's not 100% himself. Now, I thought he played a much better game tonight. Um, I thought Chris Paul looked as good as he could off his injury. But still, you hold a team like this that's a really hot shooting team – um that that can get really hot from three they kind of took away the three-pointer for them for most of the night you hold them to under 100 for three straight games that's winning basketball that's playoff basketball that's how these games go these to me this is a playoff western conference final type of game i thought we saw that intensity um i guess going into like the defense so Aiden again kind of went off right he was he was 11 for 15 tonight but he was a Mm -hmm. minus 14 what did you see i have my thoughts on it but what did you see like what they did with Aiden? um to like was he kind of just part of the defensive scheme to let him get open or do you, do you think that the lakers kind of have to still try to solve him in these next couple of games he was 11 for 15 tonight he was the only one i believe on the team other than tory craig that shot above 50 percent. so do you think he's a guy that they have to look at in these next games so uh, not necessarily and, and this is going to be this is going to sound confusing but i think i think you'll understand what i'm trying to say i i think that the eight and layups and dunks at the rim were like the residual of all of the other attempts to shut down the action earlier. And essentially like in many cases, their, their pick and roll was blown up before it ever even uh, uh, got to Aiton. But in the few occasions where it broke down, it would result in an Aiton layup. And usually if you remember what the way it would work is, you know, they would, they would throw a pass to Aiton and one of the Laker guards who would rotate would just barely miss it. Aiton would catch. And then AD or whoever it was, Kuzma, um, that last second rotation would come over and try to block him, but they just wouldn't be in time. And, and for the record, Aiton is he, he's so big and he's got good hands that like he's, he's just going to finish any, anything that he gets around there. Uh, but just in general, like I, I don't think that like, – like you said with the plus-minus – I think the better way to measure it, and it'll be something we'll have to look at on Synergy or just on the NBA.com uh, stats website, is just how many points they got per pick-and-roll possession yeah. rather, th- rather than how many points DeAndre Ayton got. Because my personal kind of like feel for it was like the few times it worked, it resulted in an Ayton dunk or layup, but it wasn't working really. You know, that, that was kind of my read on it. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like they're okay with kind of giving that up, right? They're kind of trusting their bigs to get back on that. So they really want to take away Booker and Chris Paul coming off those screens and then take away those corner shooters, Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder. And, you know, we saw LeBron, you know, LeBron, when he's engaged, is just an absurd help defender as well. He he got a lot of passes taken away. His brain works on that end of the floor as well. And then AD right next to him. Um, I thought they did a great job with that. And I feel like that's part of the game plan. Like, I feel like they'll live with DeAndre Ayton kind of, trying to catch it, kind of hold it, and try to finish over their guys. Um, he was finishing over, like, LeBron more tonight, right, rather than just some guards. I mm-hmm. felt like it was LeBron down there more. He still went 11 for 15. Um, I thought a lot of his baskets kind of came off offensive rebounding, too. 
He had four offensive rebounds tonight. I thought he got a lot of putbacks. But I thought they did a nice job on him. I don't think he was the dominant force that he was um, in both those Phoenix games. I didn't think his impact was as good as it was. And they kind of forced um, Devin Booker and Chris Paul to, like, go to him in those late kind of situations and say, okay, if you want to go to him, go to him. We'll live with that. Take away threes. Um, I think Phoenix only got up, what, like 29 threes um, tonight, Mm -hmm. which I think is low for them. So they kind of ran him off the line. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think that's part of the scheme. Let him kind of go off. Chris Paul at minus 20 tonight. Uh, I guess it looked better um, on the floor there. But I guess we can kind of keep going. Um, Dennis Schroeder, like I, I have him in my notes. He was huge again. What a playoff performer. Like he had a tough game one. What did you see from Dennis Schroeder tonight um, in, in this one? Man, everything. I mean, he I, he had a couple of threes, if I remember correctly. And then just it, it just was like, you know, when when he came back from COVID, he looked just out of shape. Uh, his touch was off. Everything he was yeah. shooting was coming up short. And that was kind of to be expected. You and I kind of had, had hinted that that was what we expected. Uh, but we always talked about how we, even though he, he didn't look good, we always talked about the fact that we, we counted on him for later matchups, like up against a team like the Clippers or, or the, the Nets as a guy who could attack switches. Well, he's the crazy part is he's in many cases he's just attacking his matchup. But ironically, DeAndre Ayton has kind of almost solved his little uh, uh, quick dribble scoop shot because he blocked it a couple of times tonight. So he's starting he's starting to time it a little bit better. Um, but but he's anybody he gets on him, you know whether it's Chris, whether it's Devin Booker, you know uh, whether it's you know Mikael Bridges or one of the wings, he just he's getting to the rim and putting pressure on the rim. And, and and tonight it was him finishing, but inevitably that's going to be something that Phoenix is going to have to scheme for, and it's going to open things up for uh, for the rest of the team. And you know, I, I I think that we expected to need him more later on in this playoff run, but he's been extremely important this series. And one of the problems is is that Phoenix really hasn't you know they exposed him in game one I thought at the point of attack and pick and roll, yeah, uh, but in game two and three they haven't really been able to expose him in pick and roll. And some of that's him fighting harder over the screens. And a lot of that is just the other four defenders doing a better job of, of rotating and, and chucking Aiton So he can't just run free to the rim and all that stuff. But I mean, I, I can't say enough good about him. And I thought he made some of the biggest plays there down the stretch while, <laughs> while the Lakers once again pulled, you know, the thing that they've done so many times over the last two years, which is build a, a sizable lead, at the end of a playoff game or a regular season game, and then just start bullshitting their way through the final six minutes. <laughs> and, uh, right. Uh, and thankfully when, when those wheels started to come off, Dennis was the one who st- stepped up and was like, all right, I've had enough of this. And, you know, made a jumper and made a, a layup and had an AM one as well. Like he, he just, you know, just an unbelievable game from him back to back, unbelievable games from him. Yeah. I was worried kind of what would translate, right? Like I knew, he was good. He was great in the regular season. I thought he had a great playoffs last year. I was worried about his decision-making in the playoffs, and I thought we kind of saw that in game one. I thought he had a lot more turnovers, a lot of really wild plays. Um, but his competitive and competitiveness, matching that with Chris Paul, who tried to kind of get in get in his head, right, Try to do all his little tricks. Chris Paul is a super veteran that has every trick in, under his sleeve, and I thought Schroeder matched that. Like, he wasn't trying to go toe-to-toe, him, toe-to-toe with him with, like, tricks, but, like, was just matching his energy, his competitiveness, and I think you need to do that in the playoffs and just like on the floor like his ball handling and his ability to get to the rim is just something like this Laker team just didn't have last year other than Rajon Rondo who did it in spurts and uh, we discussed this a lot but like 
just him being able to attack the basket when there's nothing going. Like when AD is kind of just holding it, LeBron is at the corner of the wing, doesn't want to attack this position. Give it to Schroeder, go right at his matchup, doesn't even need a screen sometimes, just go right at Devin Booker, be able to draw a foul, draw contact, get to the line, which I think is huge for him. He had eight free throws tonight. That's second behind um, Anthony Davis. Like that's eight free throws for at the guard position is just something we haven't had. He's still only one for four from three. None of the teams really shooting well, but I thought he was huge. He had a bunch of huge dump off passes, four assists, gained to the rim. He had three turnovers, but I thought they were, I didn't think they were too bad. I thought they were just, they had the right idea in the flow of the game. Aggressive turnovers. Aggressive turnovers. Right. And I thought he was, I thought he was really good. He's had two straight really good playoff games. Um, I'm, I'm really impressed with him. Um, So I guess the only thing I had, other thing I had written down here was just those shots not going in. Do you see them kind (laughs) of going in in game four? Like, well, what do you see from that? Do you see if there's anything they could do? Or is this just open? Like, these are NBA players. They have to get their open looks. So I think that they're inevitably going to go in. And for a couple of different reasons. One, we've seen the Lakers go through stretches like this where they don't shoot the ball right. well. And then they inevitably snap out of it. And then two, and, and this is probably the most important part, because they're doing everything else, which is, again, something you and I have preached ad nauseum over the last two years is, you know what, KCP, if you make shots, great. But what we really need you to do is guard, you know, that's the primary thing. And they've all done that. And as a result, they're up to one in the series. And to be honest, since basically halftime of, uh, or basically in the last two games, the Lakers have never really been threatened. Um, you know, with the biggest threat being that crazy run they went on at the end of game two, which LeBron, pretty much immediately rested back control of. So from that standpoint, like there's less pressure. This isn't the Clippers, you know, this isn't, we're down two <laughs> Oh in the series. We're in Dallas. If I miss this shot, I'm going to be the lead story on undisputed tomorrow. You know, like what this is, is a team that is winning and everything else is going. AD looks great. LeBron looks great. The only thing that's not really working is the jump shots. And so because of that, they're still winning and that relieves the pressure. You know, the Lakers don't have to hit shots in game four to win. They just need to defend the way they did tonight. And so that, that will relieve some of that pressure. And I think, you know, this is the the biggest thing that, that I uh, uh, was thinking about in that second half. This series is just a knockdown drag out fight. And, and the Suns, you could tell, they're so, they're so sick of us. Like they're like, they're, <laughs> they're hardcore in a screw these guys mode. You know, like they, they hate, the, they hate us. And Jay Crowder's sick of it. He's sick of LeBron. Devin Booker's literally so sick of it. He's shoving guys, you know, Chris Paul inevitably when he gets back into this series is going to be a physical uh, nightmare to deal with the Suns. This is going to be two games here. If the Lakers pull it out in five that are going to be extremely physical that could have some dirty plays and, and for the record, KCP already has a pretty bad thigh contusion and a bad enough to get him out of the game. And Dennis Schroeder turned his ankle over a little bit there in the third quarter. So, you know, I, they have two days off here. They don't play again until Sunday. This, this is a great opportunity in this next five days to close this series out and put their, arguably the toughest opponent they'll play in the West. If the Clippers lose, arguably this team, this team is you, you have been preaching this nonstop over the last week. The Suns are good. 
really you, it. Yeah. You, you've had to temper my expectations a bit because <laughs> I underestimated them a bit. And, and so with how good they are, if you can get them out of here in five and not lose too much physical wear and tear, things are going to, I'm not going to say get easier, but they're going to be like, this could arguably be the hardest task that they have, you know, this unpolished version of the, the Lakers beating the second best team in the league by record. Yeah. I've been saying, I think Phoenix is good. I think they're still really good. Um, I'm not sure where they adjust from here, but just going on to your physicality point there, I want to give Andre Drummond some love. Like it felt like before this series and I guess rightfully so a little bit just with his up and down play, it was kind of like, let's just survive the first five minutes or, you know, after that game one loss, all right, don't start him. Don't start him. Let's get someone else. And again, he can be really scapegoated a lot. I thought he's been, he was great again tonight, like the second straight game. Um, I think his ability to kind of be in the defensive stance, coming off those screens, getting hands in passing lanes, um, being able to get back to Aiton, like be able to deflect some of those, not let all of those go through. Some of them are going to get through, but just getting his hands in passing lanes. And again, three more offensive rebounds tonight. Um, I think his physicality has had a, has an impact in this series. Um, 12 rebounds in game two, 11 rebounds tonight. Again, he had one huge block. I was not expecting that. Was that on Devin Booker? Yeah, it was in the first quarter, a little left-handed layup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, I thought that was, again, part of what they were trying to do, you know, not let Devin Booker get easy ones, allow everyone else to kind of get going, even if Chris Paul wants to kind of create. Let Fantastic. Um, I like that they've tied his minutes to LeBron, right? So he's not playing with like, uh, not that Shooter's not a good, good shot creator, but he's playing with the best shot creator on the team. So he doesn't have to wait. There's no, there's not really any Drummond post-ups as there were before. I think there were a few, but very little. Now I don't really notice them throughout the game. So um, he's playing with LeBron, playing with the shot creator that's finding him. LeBron finds these angles that I just don't see. Um, he he gets he gets the ball to him down low. Drummond still misses some easy ones, but I thought again, just credit to him, just another really good game. I think his physicality is setting the tone, um, and it, it's a it's trouble for them. It, it's allowing Anthony Davis to come in and crash the board. Kyle Kuzma had a bunch of awesome offensive rebounds tonight because of Drummond as well, they have to go box him out. I just wanted to give him an ode. I thought he was uh, good again. You hit the most important part there, which is like, you know, he has been scapegoated, but the reason why he's scapegoated is because he was having issues on both ends and early on. And in the last two games, he's been unbelievably good defensively, which at that point, it's like, who cares if he fumbles the ball out of bounds a few times or misses a few layups around the rim, which by the way, as our friend Alex Regla pointed out today, he's been finishing really well around the rim with the Lakers, especially as of late. And so the things are kind of coming together for him offensively in a way that they weren't early on. And a lot of that is it being tied to LeBron, which we, we, we figured might solve some of those problems, but none of that matters as long as he's defending. Like I think KCP set a pretty good series aside from the fact that he can't make a shot. Um, right. But, it, but it's because he has arguably one of the toughest jobs on the team chasing around Devin Booker. And, and he's done, uh, he's done a good job of taking that responsibility, especially in the last couple of games. And so, you know, again, Drummond, the bar is low there. He's a, he's a veteran minimum signing at the center position, you know, on a team that doesn't necessarily need him. And, and he just needed to hold his own on the defensive end. And I think he's been, excellent on the defensive end in the last couple of games. And that I agree with you. Like he, he deserves his flowers because that dude has taken way too much. A lot from me, 
you know, like it, it was really frustrating for me to watch him, right. you know, kind of float around defensively, not really knowing where to stand, constantly turning his head, not seeing man and ball, just getting lost. Uh, and then also hurting the team on the offensive end as a spacer and as a finisher. Well, now he's solved a, a huge chunk of that with, with what he's been doing defensively. And I, that makes everything else so much easier to deal with. Right. And I guess the, the final kind of adjustment that was, well, it wasn't made tonight. It was made in game two, but we saw it again. Uh, no Montrez Harrell again, right? Um, no Montrez mm-hmm. tonight. Gasol is fully in the rotation. He's not just in the rotation. He's closing, which like brings a tear to my eyes and almost every Lakers <laughs> Twitter eyes. Just It gives AD the chance to be the five down low, and the ball just looks like it flies around. Even if he, he's hitting, I think he hit one three tonight, just that threat of him out there um, to see Gasol back in the rotation. Again, I don't think Trez needs to go DMP the whole playoffs. I don't think that's going to happen. But just seeing Gasol, it's nice to see Vogel kind of make the adjustment that we wanted to see. Um, even though Trez had an okay game one, I thought he was getting killed defensively. And we saw that Gasol was, again, I think he did his job on Aiden. Like, he got beat a couple times, had a few weird blocking fouls at the rim. But uh, it was good to see him uh, Good to see him in the rotation. Uh, he got your guy, Ben Macklemore, in there. Um, you could tell Vogel's <laughs> for a couple Vogel's of quick thinking, jacks. <laughs> yeah, he's thinking about the shooting, right? Just might as well. And Ben Macklemore always takes the shot that's like the least open, right? He caught oh, it. He's like, oh, gosh. let me just go up, which just doesn't get him in any rhythm. Um, and again, defensively, he's still kind of lost. Like I didn't. But who did he uh, put him on the floor with, Raj? Did he put him yeah, on the floor? No, yeah, no, you're LeBron. right. You're right. No he did LeBron. not play with. He did not play with LeBron. But um, yeah, that's probably not the best way to use Ben Macklemore. But they needed shooting, man. No one could hit a shot, and I think Vogel would just was like, can I get three points out of Ben Maglemore? <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it was cool to kind of see the rotations really tighten. No THT tonight either, right? I think it was what we kind of expected. Um, he had a really tough two games in Phoenix. So it's good to see the rotation tighten, man. Uh, did you have kind of anything else uh, from tonight? Um, I thought Marcus Gasol was awesome in pick-and-roll defense in a way that yeah. he wasn't uh, in game two. I thought uh, uh, just – and so much of that is the whole unit. Like, so much of it is the whole unit. But, you know – uh, uh, the guys from Laker film room talked a lot about this after game two, but one of the big reasons that Marcus all was having issues in pick and roll in the second half of game two, uh, was, uh, the ball handler cutting across his face. So instead okay. of uh, like snaking the pick and roll is what they call it, but essentially just switching directions on him. It's, it's basically a crossover after the screen and, and Marcus all just was having trouble anticipating that and just was a step slow. And I thought, I thought several occasions in the second half in particular, he just because, again, like Marcus all it's the same issue that you see with a lot of older players like this guy used to be the defensive player of the year. He's got all of that in him. Uh, he's got all the experience. It's just his body that has been failing him. And uh, and the truth is, is like you can make up for a lot of that by being savvy. And I thought tonight he was much better at anticipating uh, th- that type of movement out of the pick and roll was much more. Uh, capable of staying in front and actually protecting the rim. And and that just, you know, again, made it so that all the stuff he brings offensively was that much more valuable because he wasn't hurting you on on the other end of the floor. But yeah, Mark, Mark was fantastic. Yeah. And uh, we're going on here around 40 minutes. So if anyone's kind of jump in, yeah, um, let's get some know, I'll, I'll add you in, add you in here. But yeah, I was just looking at Aiden's line here. Um, uh, he only had one free throw tonight. And I think like, that's just not enough offense, right? If they're just feeding him, even though he shot 11 for 15, if he's not getting to the line, not putting any actual pressure on the guys. Like, I think they'll live with that. He went 11 for 15, and they only scored 95 points. Um, that's just that's the scheme they're going to go with. Um, I guess my only other thing is, like, 
Phoenix, their only adjustment really, I guess, is Devin Booker and Chris Paul to kind of fire away. Right, and I expect to see that. Uh, but when you go into like game four, most teams you have your adjustment, then you have the adjustment and adjustment, and now it's just who's the better team. But uh, we'll let's, we'll get some people up here. Yes, uh, we got a few requests. Yeah, while, while you're bringing somebody up, go ahead and add the first person. The the what has been interesting to keep an eye on is you know Monty Williams has talked about this. Um, you know the the way that the Suns are interpreting this is that it's a fist fight, and and the problem mm-hmm. is 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 I think they're going to respond to tonight by just upping their physicality even more on Sunday. And so again, it's just going to be important that the Lakers kind of maintain that edge because I think this is a classic series where the Suns are, the Suns know they can't outskill the Lakers. The Suns know they can't out defend the Lakers, but they, they might try to kick their ass, you know, for lack of a better term, um, just by using, using Jay Crowder, using Chris Paul, using Devin Booker, just to be super physical everywhere. Anyway, let's get yep. someone on. Yep. AJ, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear y'all. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's uh, it's funny, man. It, it was like the Lakers played like ass the first half, bro. It was just, you know, <laughs> it was almost like they were going through the motions. LeBron was kind of pacing himself. And second half, it just it switched. LeBron just kind of went like, okay, get out of my way. Let's let me take over this game. And it's almost like the Suns knew at that point, like, okay, we're outmatched. Like, there's nothing we can do at this point. Like, you know, and and that's why I think, you know, once you get in Devin Booker's head, he gets real sassy and he gets real pissed off. (laughs) And he does dumb shit like pushing people in the back. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's what they, I feel like they've been needing to do this whole, you know, from game one, two, and three is just get up on them. And I think putting in Wes Matthews was the perfect thing to do because, I mean, he was the only one to me that was consistent all night on defense. You know, his shots were, his shots were going in huge threes. I mean, massive, you know what I'm saying? Like he, he changed the whole outlook of of what that lineup looked like. And, you know, I think another positive thing is like Kuz is yet to still get going. KCP is yet to still get going. And once that happens, I mean, it's a wrap. It's a wrap, you know what I mean? I mean, we know what we're going to get out of AD and LeBron, but our guys are still yet to really actually get going. So that that's actually something to look forward to. And I I don't think game four is going to be close, honestly. I really don't. Uh, well, it'll be interesting to see because if, they, if the role players keep missing shots, it'll certainly be uh, contested to a certain extent. You know, what you said was really interesting. Like the, the first half, you know, the, the Lakers weren't playing their best. Frank Vogel actually came out and said, that wasn't Laker basketball, at least on the offensive end, is what he said. And, and, and I agree in a lot of ways. The, the funny thing was, you know, like you said, in the third quarter, LeBron came over, came out and kind of took the game over. And in the first half, he was plus nine when LeBron was on the floor. And I think the Lakers went into halftime up three, if I remember correctly. Yeah, um, that's right. Um, but anyway, the, the, the point is, is like, you know, these games have all these different phases, right? The first game was like the, the shit show phase, or the first half was like the shit show phase where neither team could score and it was super competitive. And, and then obviously most of the fourth quarter was basically a house of highlights uh, reel with like bloopers and, 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 and fun stuff. But there in the third quarter, you know, in that first seven minute shift, LeBron came in and just stepped on their neck. And then the end of the third quarter, Anthony Davis just completely executed them. 
um, with his physicality. And so it was a LeBron and AD execution in a 12 minute quarter. And I think what did they hold the Suns to like 12 points in that quarter? Like it just was, uh, it just, again, it's, it's these decisive moments of the games where, where you kind of put it all together and then, and it ends up swinging the outcome. And I thought that's what happened tonight. Right. Right. And the, the crazy thing is, I mean, if you, if you really watch the first half, LeBron, I, I feel like he was just trying to get his guys going because when he was driving in, I mean, he was really just looking to pass. And I felt like, you know, watching that, it was like, OK, let's let's get everybody going. Let's see what we can do. And it didn't really work out that well. So second half, he was just like, OK, I, I, you know, let me let me take control of this game. And and that's when everything switched. It's just it's it's honestly it's incredible to watch how he can literally just take over a game. And, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm I'm with you on that. I feel like he took their belief right in that third quarter. Um, I know that's more like an intangible kind of thing, but you can kind of see it. Um, when he goes on those runs, man, playoff LeBron, that's that stuff is real. He didn't have to tap into his full bag tonight, but when he turned it on, he he got he got them up. He knew that was the time to kind of build the lead from like 10 to 15. He started attacking the rim, getting to the basket, getting and ones, getting dunks as well. You could just see he was feeling feeling it. Um, I agree with you there. My favorite thing, man, it's going around on Twitter right now, but he's literally has his, his back towards towards Crowder, and he's, he has a smile on his face like, I'm about to cook this dude. <laughs> I'm about to cook this man. Yeah, it, it's, it's incredible to watch, man. We joked earlier that that was like kind of like LeBron psychology, you know, just him, him, you know, in a series tied at one in a fourth quarter against the two seed, you know, uh, in a series that after game one, the Lakers were only a minus 120 favorite. And, uh, and, and him like kind of toying with Jay Crowder like that, it just sends a psychological message to the opponent. And, and, and a lot of, te- there are teams that won't shrink from that. And we'll see what happens with Phoenix. They very well uh, might fight to the, to the bitter end, but there's a whole, there's a long, a long laundry list of teams in the, Eastern conference that just simply folded when LeBron did that kind of stuff. And that's why he does it. It's a psychological warfare. Yep. I agree. AG, we appreciate you, bro. We're going to try to get a few more people yes, up sir. here, but we're going to appreciate you, man. Yeah, man. Thank Thanks, you. AG. Yes, sir. Let's get my guy, the pettiest Laker fan. Yo, what up guys? What's going on, man? How y'all doing? What's up, man? Are you there? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. you. Yeah, now we can. Yeah, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, my bad. I was saying I love what you guys do, man. I try and get get in here whenever I can. Appreciate you, man. Uh, uh, I just wanted to say I just really appreciate – like, I don't know. I haven't been able to see the team put it all together in one game. And to an extent, we still did it. But I feel a lot more confident about this team after seeing them put it, put it together on the defensive end fully. I feel like this game was like the first game they were fully, you know, firing on all cylinders for most of the game. And then and then um, offensively in the third quarter, it showed what the Lakers can do when LeBron just decides, hey, I'm going to put my head down and get to the basket. So um, I want to kind of know what you guys thought about uh, LeBron and and the I know you guys talked about playoff LeBron a little bit, but what did you guys see different in the third quarter versus like you know the first half? Well, I thought that was the first time since the Denver game before the LeBron and AD injuries uh, in the second half of that game earlier this year. 
uh, tonight was the first time since then that I've seen their defensive ceiling. Because if you remember, that was when uh, Denver had Jokic and Murray and everybody, and the Lakers just shut their water off and they couldn't do anything. <laughs> and and you know we talked a lot earlier in the pod about how the, you know that's their defensive ceiling, which is different than their day to day effort. That's like when everyone's engaged and LeBron and AD are on the floor and what they can do on the back line defensively, how, how it can take even super high end offenses and just make things extraordinarily difficult for them. And I, as, as I've said for two years now with Raj, I think this Laker defense is an all time great defense. Mm -hmm. And, and when they flip that switch, it just flat out wins games. And I thought, I thought that was the driving force and in combination with, LeBron at the start of the third quarter and AD at the end of the third quarter doing what they did offensively. LeBron driving the basket and passing the ball and then AD just as a, as a physical uh, just mammoth around the paint, grabbing offensive rebounds and just beating the hell out of the Suns physically. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And just with the LeBron point, like you could tell, I said this earlier, but he, he's kind of pacing himself, right? This is win two. He's trying to get to win mm -hmm. 16, right? And he knows, even though for us, like every game is like a, you know, game seven, need to put your heart out every, every night. Um, you could tell he picks his spots in that third quarter. He really picked it. He picked his spots to go to the rim. Miles Bridges couldn't, couldn't handle him. Jay Crowder, all those dudes. He spun baseline a bunch of times, getting to the rim, getting dunks, doing stuff that he wasn't doing. And uh, with the defense, like this is, this is a top load. I thought the Lakers last year had probably the best defense I've seen um, this year. I think they can probably get, get to that as well. Maybe even a little better. I think Jason believes a little better, but um, that when those switch, when those dudes are engaged, LeBron and AD to me are still the best off-ball defensive players in the league. And uh, when you have your guards mixed with that, like it's a tough thing to score on. Phoenix is a good offensive team. I'm not sure where they finished. I think they finished top five or something offensively. I have to check with that. But to hold them under 100 is is huge. So I agree with you on that. That third quarter and that defense looks legitimate and ready to go. Dude, last thing I want to say before I get out of here, and I appreciate you guys having me on, is on that same point, I love I, – I wish that um, Frank Vogel got his flowers more because I think um, a lot of people thought he was an all-time great defensive line even before, you know, before even coming to the Lakers, but he hadn't really had anything to kind of show for it as far as like in the highest level aside from those, you know, Pacers – series that really you know took LeBron to the limit but I, I feel I'm really hoping that like in the next you know from his um stint here at the Lakers and also like the that marriage between him and AD those things that he can do with AD is just like amazing so I really hope that he gets the flowers and the appreciation that you guys are giving him too I'm with you man I think I think he doesn't get enough he gets some he has some lineups that drive us crazy right through the regular season these experimental the Drummond minutes kind of drove us crazy, <laughs> the Rondo minutes last year. But I feel like these are all a means to an end. I think they have an idea of what they're trying to do, even if we all kind of disagree with it at times. Um, there's a means to an end here, and, and we'll see if it continues. But he de definitely deserves some credit for what's going on here. Getting a number one defense without LeBron and AD for pretty much half the season is, is no joke. Yeah, the guy to the guy to uh, uh, to listen to a little bit more detailed uh, X's and O's version of this is that uh, Tim Crangis, that Crangis uh, Crangis McBasketball, he yeah. uh, does an awesome job of kind of mapping this stuff out. Uh, from what I saw it live, and I'll try to look more when we were watching uh, when we watched the film, but I really just thought the Lakers were much more physical off ball in that pick and roll because like it just seemed like. The, 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 that two-man game was so free-flowing through the first two games, and there just was no contact around the rim as that stuff was happening. 
And I thought the Lakers set a tone early that lasted throughout the game where they were just going to be more physical. And I, and I thought that that was a big part of the way it shut it down. Um, uh, but yeah, and then you're right. Frank deserves a ton of credit for being a part of that chess match. All right, guys. Thank you guys for having me on. I got to get to work. <laughs> I Thanks, appreciate man. you, man. Thank you. <laughs> we appreciate you. Thanks, right, man. Guys, well, let's try to get two more here. I think we're running up on an hour. Sounds um, good. Two more. Basilio, are you there? Hey, what's up, my guys? How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How about you? Doing well. What's up, doing man? Well. What's going on? Hey. All good, all good. Then uh, I have four third things uh, between I leave. And one thing is the A Disney crowd is really quiet right now. <laughs> <laughs> and the the second thing, Booker, I think he dropped uh, thirty four in the first game. Uh, are you know the adjustment Bogle made for him to keep him nineteen points? Yeah, they they. De- they definitely have the bigs coming up higher on the screen. So, like, when Booker gets a screen, Drummond is kind of at the level of it instead of being back in, like, this um, help and recover. There's kind of no 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 role man behind kind of coverage that lets Booker kind of get right into his jumpers. And they've decided to get the ball out of his hands. So when he has an isolation at the top of the key, they'll send a double, and it really makes him have, take really tough shots over contests. And that's why you see his scoring output kind of go less and less as these games go on. They're, they're allowing Aiton to catch the ball at the rim, and that's that when, when Booker's passing to him, he's not taking shots, and the shots he does get are, are pretty tough or in transition. Do you agree, Jason? Yeah, it's, it's all adjustments. Like you gotta, you got to think about it with respect to uh, um, uh, what will work outside of a one-game sample. I mean, look at even beyond Booker, look at uh, Cameron Payne. Like he went off there at the end of the fourth quarter when the Lakers totally let their foot off the gas and let him get loose in transition and catch wide-open catch-and-shoot threes. But the pick-and-roll stuff campaign was doing, the stuff that he killed them with in game two was all shut off. And the same goes for Booker. Booker in game one was just killing the Lakers, uh, 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 curling off of pin downs and, and then in ball screens, just getting to a shot too comfortably uh, just inside the three-point line. And, and the Lakers have just made a simple adjustment of just meeting him at the screen uh, and, and just being more physical in general. And, and as our one of our previous callers pointed out, it's starting to really frustrate him and he's starting to lash out, um, which is good for the Lakers because that can kind of cause things to go off the rails and cause you to do something stupid like shove a player in midair. <laughs> okay. And the last two things is, uh, are you real concerned about the uh, AD? He say he, he prevents he, his knee. And the last thing, uh, Chris Paul has been your, uh, in the series, but Cameron Payne has kept, the Suns in, in, in kind of runs. Uh, he made some couple of three. And I, I guess, I think Cameron Payne has been really great this series. No, he's been he's been amazing. And look, if, if they have to go to Cameron Payne, I think you've done your job pretty much. Like, if he's going to hit tough step back threes, he got a few open ones, but he's driving to the rim, kind of finishing these tough layups. I think you live with those throughout the flow of a game. Um, he's had a great series, credit to him getting himself back in the league but like game planning for him is tough when you already have Booker and Chris Paul that you're, and Aiden you're trying to you know manage all these guys and if campaign gets off on a few shots I think you live with it I think most of the shots are contested um, he's kind of he's been guarded by Caruso I trust him to kind of make that a tough matchup as the series goes on but he's been great I agree he's he's hit tough shots his speed has been a factor 
he's getting by guys and he's hitting pull up threes in transition. Just he's he's been amazing in this series. Credit to him. Yeah. He's just in a groove too, man. Like, I mean, yeah. that, that, that that's kind of basketball in a nutshell too. Like sometimes some of this is beyond X's and O's, you know, uh, there's, there is a certain amount that you can control with X's and O's and effort and focus and blah, blah, blah. And all the stuff that Raj and I talk right. about every day. But at the end of the day, like there's all things equal, you know, why is Alex Crusoe a guy who, you know, shot the lights out all year, incapable of making anything. And, Cameron Payne, who's had a good season, but is playing way above his capabilities in this series. Like, why is that the case? It's just because Alex Crusoe's not in a groove right now, and and Cameron Payne is very much in a groove right now. And all you can hope is that at various points in the in the postseason, certain Lakers will make runs, just like Markeith Morris went on a, a crazy run last year's postseason, or you know Rondo had his moments, or you'd have KCP in the finals. You know, they're, you just hope that guys will pop up and make their runs. In this case, unfortunately for the Suns, campaign hasn't been enough. Um, but the Lakers, you're going to have Lakers role players to have their moments as well outside of what other teams can control. Yep. Thanks, Basilio. We appreciate you, man. Thank you for appreciate having me. Of course, appreciate man. I appreciate it. Let's get the last, uh, last one up here. I think it was uh, Big 7. Are you there? Hey, hey, what's going on? What's up, man? What's going on, man? Not much. I'm pretty stoked we got the win tonight, even though uh, we came out looking. And it was really tough to watch that first half, I'm not going to lie, um, with all the, <laughs> the missed shots, wide-open shots. you know. And I, I kind of liked how um, Frank brought in Ben McElmore for a little bit um, before the before KCP went down. I think that, I mean, even just to try it out for a little bit, I think it was nice, and it kind of hits the way you were saying earlier with – you know, he's actually trying new stuff versus in the regular season when everyone was getting all upset, you know, over him not not trying new lineups. But, you know, I think he's he's doing what he's supposed to do as a coach and he's showing everyone like, hey, we won the finals last year and he is a he is a champion, you know, as a coach. So I think he knows what he's doing. And, yeah, I think I think he's really underrated for for how well we're playing right now. I think that, uh, um, as Raj and I have said throughout the last two years, Frank Vogel deserves the benefit of the doubt. He has shown that when push comes to shove, he'll make the adjustments that are necessary. And all the stuff that we've talked about, like, think of it like this. We preached for Caruso all year last year as the better player than Rondo and as the player who needed more minutes. And who started game six of the finals? Exactly. So, you know, we preached dumping centers last year because, you know, even Dwight and uh, um, uh, JaVale weren't as good options as Drummond or or Gasol. And guess what? He he dumped the centers for the most part in the postseason. So as far as I'm concerned, like we can, you know, express our concerns, but he deserves the benefit of the doubt because he's shown the willingness to make the necessary moves. Yeah. Coaching is hard, man. Like it's not easy. Like Vogel was like, coaching in Orlando and had a bad team. And uh, sometimes you just never know what happened. Look at, I think Ty Lue's a really good coach. Um, and, you know, they're down 0-2 and he's having trouble finding lineups with even with yeah. that same Rondo. So it, it's tough, man. Vogel deserves yeah. his credit. I think keeping keeping the defense where it was, it's just so impressive to me. Yeah, it's um, insane. You go watch, Our, I mean, yeah. go watch these other teams, man. Look, go watch Denver, Portland tonight. Yeah. I think it was yeah, like 65, 60. So just watching like him have a defensive kind of system that he's kept, even with different personnel, 
right? Drummond's different than like a Dwight Howard. His skills yeah. are different. Being able to adapt to that is uh, is key to me in coaching. And he seems very transparent with his guys, and that's all you can ask from a coach. And when you have LeBron yeah. and AD, that's kind of your job. Stay out the way. Make sure you deal with everything else. Let the stars kind of take care of what they do. 100%. I think the last thing I just have to say is I don't know when people will start to understand. Like if you talk trash to LeBron like throughout the game – like I saw oh, yeah. a campaign kind of, you know, talking to him throughout the game. And it's like, what are you trying to do? Because when he came out that third quarter, it was, you know, and I, I was listening to the halftime show with Charles, you know, saying, oh, he's hurt. He, he looks bad. He does not look good. I wouldn't be surprised if LeBron saw that um, and was like, OK, watch this. Because <laughs> he literally came out that second half and all those little you know the rumors oh he doesn't have that explosive jump it's like he literally showed that way he scored like six or ten i don't know how many he scored in a row right when that thing started but you know it's uh, i don't know when people just get it's like the same thing with kobe you know it's like if you're gonna be poking at him he's gonna get you so i mean i don't know it's it's funny to see because it just keeps happening so I don't think there's anything wrong with talking trash. I think you just got to be prepared to face the consequences. Exactly. Like I, you know, for me personally, my time playing basketball, I've always been the kind of guy that like, I'll talk when someone talks to me first, but I'll never start it. But there are, there are completely different guys out there that will start it all the time. And, you know, like I'm like, like, you know, LeBron kind of strikes me as that kind of guy, like the guy that isn't, he's not out there actively seeking that kind of thing. Uh, but you know, inevitably there are guys that come his way with that type of deal. And like, that's the thing, like Crowder, Crowder got, Crowder got into it with LeBron in the fourth quarter. And, you know, nobody cares what happened the rest of the game. That highlight play on that spinoff is going to end up being what leads everything for the next 24 hour news cycle. And it's like, that's the price you you pay. Like Patrick Beverly talked a bunch of trash to Luca and and what went viral is, is Luca just, spamming him into the basket and and then him <laughs> saying that he's yelling yeah, that he's too, too, too yeah. effing small and, and yeah. screaming into the clipper bench like it's it's a dangerous game and if you play if you play the game you know sometimes you win sometimes you lose but uh, I, I personally don't see the advantage in starting that kind of thing but there are there are players who do and i'm not going to tell them they're wrong you know <laughs> yeah, I, I don't i don't mind it and like look, there's guys like draymond Montrez Harrell. even it looks like a little bit campaign they live off it right like they that chip needs to be something on their shoulder, and they create it anyhow they can. Um, and I don't mind it if you can if you can back it up. John Morant, another guy, really aggressive when he gets going, and I'm I'm fine with it. There's it's a line there. You don't want to be dirty playing like you know dirty fouls and stuff like that. But a little trash talk. That's part of basketball around the world. I don't have a problem with it. And LeBron's probably you're right, not the guy to do it to, but these guys do it to everyone. So yeah, exactly. Kind of how it works. <laughs> oh, well, much love, guys. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate Thank you. you, man. All right, everybody. Um, thank you for hanging out with us for the last hour and some change. Um, we will be going live again on Sunday. I will be immediately uh, re- taking this screen recording, converting it into a podcast, and I will tweet it out. And Raj will tweet it out as well. Um, as is always the case, we appreciate you guys choosing to hang out with us um, uh, to talk some Lakers, and we'll, we'll see you on Sunday. Thanks, everyone.